Planet Pod, essential listening for everyone who cares about the planet. Hello and welcome to Planet Pod with me, Amanda Carpenter. Summer has truly started, ushered in by a couple of wet bank holidays, and all around my studio, the countryside is verdant. The horse chestnut is heavy with white candelabra, and the sycamore is in full leaf. The 10 native trees we planted last year have survived the winter. Their frail and tentative new leaves are exploring their first taste of sun. No mow may has taken hold as the buttercups and bluebells battle it out for space on what is definitely not a lawn outside my window. I feel so lucky to be distracted by all this when I sit behind my desk, and I'm certain I would fight hard to protect it. That need to fight, protest, campaign or engage in direct action to save the places we call home is part of the recurring theme for our next few episodes of the podcast. What is it that makes people take direct action, whether to save a village green from development or to try and stop oil drilling? Why are so many ordinary, in inverted commas, individuals doing extraordinary things to draw attention to the plight of the planet? Why is it that some forms of protest and action have been turned on their head? XR have gone mainstream, while barristers have become radical. Protest and calls to action are now coming from so many different voices, from TV presenters, authors, lawyers, academics. Is this the rise of the quietly radical, and will it make a difference? Who better to kick off this exploration of protest and its place in our climate conversation than Nicola Chester, author, activist and campaigner? Her book, On Gallows Down, which was shortlisted for the 2022 Wainwright Prize, has been described as a powerful personal story shaped by a landscape deeply loved, one that ripples and undulates with protest, change, hope and the search for a home. Nicola, a very warm welcome to Planet Pod and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Amanda. It's a pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed your book, <clears throat> Excuse me, as so many of your stories resonated with me and my own experience of growing up in the 70s and 80s. And I do remember endless chats in the cloakroom, the girls' cloakroom at school, about what we would do when the four-minute warning went off. <laughs> and, and I was miles away. I was in Essex, not, not, not down the road in Greenham. So it must have been an extraordinary experience for you, being young and growing up so close to the base. What, what was it like? It was extraordinary, but I, but I think because we grew up with it, it, it felt quite ordinary in some ways. Um, because our daily lives just just carried on. Um, but I remember distinctly Greenham Common being this, I mean, it always had a, a fenced off runway, but it was our playground. You know, there were woods around the edges. We used to walk the dogs for hours on end or, or play there, I suppose, and ride the ponies from the riding school. Um, and then the fences went up and uh, 96 cruise missiles came in, fence after fence. Um, the concrete bunkers were built before that, of course, to house them. Um, and then, um, yeah, it, it was that sort of fear of this this, this four-minute warning. What would we do in that time? Um, the practice sirens that would go on when we were at school. And, um, and, and the actual fact of these missiles coming in low over our school, just to, to make the turn for the runway. But then the peace women arrived. And I perhaps didn't realise it so much then at the time. Um, I think I was about 11 when they arrived. Um, but they changed everything. 
So you were, you know, growing up normal life in the countryside, and I, and, you know, we had a disused runway in our village. I think everybody did because of the hangover from the American bases and and the war. And I used to spend hours sort of trucking up and down, learnt, you know, learnt to ride a bike on the tarmac and all of that stuff. So life had suddenly shifted, hadn't it? And you'd got um, this extraordinary, well, like a city almost on your doorstep, but then this sort of second second city the second town of all of all the the, the peace women and and the, and the greenham camps did you i mean and you talk in the book about how the, the the protesters were really unwelcome in terms of the local community what what did you and your fellow schoolmates make of them i mean you know what did you what did you know what did you talk about in your in your girls cloakroom <laughs> <laughs> i think well i think there was that yeah that that um fear in a sense you know well, what would you do um you know, if if we, I mean, the, I think the advice at the time was to get under a table and line line the edges with books. <laughs> yeah. Against the nuclear blast. Um, Protect and, and survive. I think that, yeah, that's right. And I think that that was you know, the topic of conversation. But I think more for us because we we were on top of it. We were right. We were right next door. Um, and that's certainly my parents that reassured us with with this. Do you know what? If it happens, you'll know nothing about it. And that, in a funny sort of way. It, it did reassure me, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I did. I remember just a friend and I seemed to be the only people that kind of were really intrigued by the peace women and were not set against them. Um, there were so many misogynistic comments, um, you know, and, and, and judgment around them. And I, and I think even then, at, at that age, I, I thought, it's not right. That's not right. It's, it's, there's something more to it than that. Um, so I began to question it quite early on, but I it was it was hard to voice it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you get engaged with the with the camp at all? I mean, did you did you take part in those in those Greenham protests? I didn't directly. Um, I, I sort of uh, made my own protests, um, but I, but I, I got to know some of them. Um, spoke with them. I sat and had tea around the fire with them um, as I grew older because they were there throughout my whole teenage years you know they, they I think they were there for 19 years um so they, they had, had always been there I suppose um but our protests were very much um around the edges of things I think you know that the kind of daring to to um provoke the people behind the fence you know the the um the Americans in their gun turrets and things like that yeah so it was um a bit of um a bit of naughty witchery I think <laughs> quite a risky thing to do you talk about you know riding riding across the you know the other side of the fence and sort of taunting them that's actually you know quite high risk these days you'd be um you'd be arrested for that wouldn't you and thrown in the back of a van <laughs> yes you absolutely would yes yes <laughs> for far less in fact <laughs> so uh, tell me I mean you you ask yourself this question don't you quite early on in the book you know when did it start this love affair with place and nature so so obviously, you know, your country childhood, you got, you know, country parents and grandparents. When did you first become aware that that there was something about your makeup and your feelings that re- meant you related to your natural environment, possibly slightly differently from some of your peer group or your friends? We, we moved around a lot um, when I was a child, and um, through my dad's job, really, he was a he was a fireman, and um, we had fire brigade houses then. Um, and as he he moved stations or was promoted, we moved around. But it was it was very much in it was in a very small area, really. But each move we made uh, meant a different primary school, 
uh, I think I, I think I, I clocked up five primary schools. Wow, <laughs> it's rather a lot. Um, so each time it was it was a different place, you know, different different um, friends to make. And for me, that the the one constant was was exploring the outdoors of my new place um, by myself, getting to grips with it. That's how I learned to belong. I think um, it was what nature was there, what trees were there, what birds were there. Could I go in the river? That that sort of thing. And and I think very quickly I learned that actually that can be taken from you as well. So you can be taken from a place that you love, but you can fall in love with a place, get to know it, and that can actually be taken from you as well. Um, so that was that was my first shock, I think. I, um, you know, and I, I would have been, goodness, seven, eight years old at that time. And the taking away was the physical act of just being relocated by your parents rather than anything. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. because yeah. those that theme of things being destroyed, taken, you know, uh, irrevocably changed runs throughout the book, doesn't it? Because you talk about the Newbury Bycars and you talk about Twyford Down. And so, so, so I wanted to ask you about those, but I'm, I'm really interested because this feels like a, you know, it's a deeply lyrical book. It's very, um, you know, we're, we're, we're captured by your story and you, you bring us into the countryside in a really magical way. But it's also very personal. And, um, you know, from that point of view, quite brave um, because, you know, there's this, you, know, you put a lot of yourself on the page, if I can say that. Um, and, 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 and it's that, so that's, for me, I can see that all the way through, this kind of weaving together of your sense of self with your sen- the sense of place. But that isn't something, it took you quite a long time to come to that realisation, didn't it? That, you know, you can define your your own sense of home and place for yourself. It isn't just where you happen to be plonked down. Yes, yes. I think I, think I found that quite, the idea of belonging to a place quite problematic um, at first, which is, yeah, I mean, I I realise now that as a, a white woman, that actually that's a deep privilege, you know. It, it, it's but but I felt that sense of belonging being constantly moved, um, which I didn't I didn't take well to, and then things being being taken from it. It was that whole who do I belong? Where do I belong? Are people going to like me here? Do I fit in? Um, it it was a constant questioning to the point where. I was going to say in the past, but probably even still now, if I go away on holiday anywhere, I feel the same. I think, oh gosh, are local people going to appreciate you being here? Should I? <laughs> it, it, it became a real, a, a real problem, I think, for me. Um, and I've realized that actually that whole idea of how to belong is about proactive engagement with a place, um, and with its wild neighbors, with the soil, with the landscape its stories you know the people can come later um mm. but it's it's that 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 is really important um and I think for me now it's that it's not you don't have to own land it doesn't matter where you're from you belong by being there and I mm. think engaging it is is the key thing mm. but interestingly you chose to engage by by being by being an outsider by press protesting by separating yourself from the community a little bit, didn't you? Or one bit of your community rather than, I mean, obviously, because you couldn't become a female gamekeeper and that, you know, <laughs> literature's loss is gamekeeper. You know, literature's gain is gamekeeper's loss. Um, so, you know, we're very pleased you didn't do that. But, but, but you, you, you know, you chose to say, um, you know, I'm actually going to engage actively in my countryside and protect it by taking part in protests. Um, tell, tell me about those, those first protest experiences. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, the first one was was Twyford Downs, so the the widening of the M3 through through these beautiful downs that've got this most wonderful, perfect arc to them, and now have this great heft taken out of them. Um, I I came to that protest quite late, really. I wanted to go, but I, I didn't really have the means to go. And a, and a group of friends said, "We should be down there. We should we should go and have a look at this thing." And, and I think from then on, it was like this is I realized how horrific and outrageous it was that we were destroying this ancient countryside and all that lived on it for cars to get somewhere quicker um faster you know and you can be stuck there in traffic now I was only a couple of weeks ago it was it's very galling um and then a few well actually months later um they started to talk about the Newby bypass which would curve around my home and um I remember being, I think we were watching the, the 10 o'clock news and um, the first sort of people were sitting up trees to protest about this. And I'd, I'd done my bit of protesting. I'd written letters to the newspaper and, mm. um, you know, been as eloquent as I could possibly be. And I'd spoken to people. But I think it was at that point I realised that this thing is going to happen and it's wrong on so many levels. It's, I mean, I think it went through, well, it was nine miles of countryside, triple SIs, um, historic battlefield sites you know the list is endless it's just yeah. unbelievable um and that's when we decided as a group actually our, our, me and, and four friends um we rocked up the next day and I was suddenly in the thick of it and um and there I stayed <laughs> and it's extraordinary your description of that and the fact that you kind of you know wore a skirt some of the time and and, and tried not to be <laughs> threatening but also you know made impassioned speeches in your local supermarket to try and you know win round your your you know your your neighbours and and other people in the town I mean it's it, it I remember those protests really vividly and you know the people the very first time we'd seen sort of locking on in in you know in our lifetime um I know the suffragettes locked on but we'd never seen people locking onto trees or locking onto barrels of cement and things and really dramatic um and heart-rending experiences and for as you say no avail because the, the thing got built and it hasn't really made much difference to the <laughs> to the traffic problem um no. but do, do you think that you know so 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 that sense of wanting to protest, that sense of wanting to say the things you're passionate about, but also to challenge where you think decisions are wrong, has that carried on through your life? Yes, yes. I mean, there there have been, I look back and there, I feel that there have been pauses. Um, you know, I might have been busy raising children and things, but, but I look back and think there weren't pauses, actually. I was just <laughs> doing smaller protests or, um, you know, I hadn't thought they were protests at the time, but yeah, it's not stopped. Um, and I, I mean, particularly now, I'm I'm engaged in quite a few little, I suppose, more low key things, but um, but just as important. I've got the last pair of lapwings in the village nesting, making a nesting attempt, literally two fields from my house, and I'd spotted it, and and I'm fairly sure that nobody else knows it's there particularly the farmer who um, could be out there doing work at any point. So it was that sort of, right, I need to contact them. How do I do it? Um, yeah. And do I go to Facebook so that actually they're a bit, um, <laughs> and any, um, you know, they won't be able to brush me aside quite so easily because it will be on Facebook and the whole village will see it. So it was kind of just trying to work out how to, how to do this. Um, I didn't need to go to Facebook again. And I've got him inside and we're going to protect that nest. 
So it's small protests like that, our local woods, the woods behind my house, um, the tree in my front garden, there are stone curlies on the hill, all these are small local protests that I that I, I keep up. Our local um, town of Hungerford, I've got a Swift Town project going on um, with others. So yeah, I, I think once you've once you've opened yourself up to that, that it, the love and the hurt of it, um, it's hard to put it down. Mm, mm. And do you feel, I mean, it, it, it seems to me that more and more people feel the way you feel, the way I feel, the way many Planet Pod listeners feel, that actually we have to do something because our, our, our countryside, our way of life, our planet is under such immense threat. So have you sensed that change in the nature of who protests, how they protest, some of those kind of protest conversations in, you know, throughout, throughout your, you know, throughout the, well, probably also, I guess, as a result of, of bringing out the book and talking to people, do you feel there's a change in that protest movement? Yes, I really do. Um, and it's so heartening. And, and, and that's the sort of thing that gives me hope. Um, I mean, I felt, oh my gosh, was it 20, oh, 26 years ago, Newby Bypass, it was built. And I thought, yes, I mean, it did stop the road building program in its tracks because it was so expensive um but I was you know that was a very low point um and I think what's happened in recent years is that is the connection between people social media has been amazing um for, for bringing people together you know I'm no, I'm no longer the only environmental activist in well actually I think I probably still am the only environmental <laughs> activist in the village <laughs> but, but <laughs> But I've got people on side, you know, they'll cheer me on and they'll go, oh, yeah, I get why you're doing it. They don't think I'm this sort of whatever they want to call me, but this sort of crackpot, you know. Um, crazy woman. Crazy woman. Yes. You know, so that's been amazing. And the, the amount of young people that are getting involved and my goodness, I feel for them um, because they've got the weight of all this to come. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I just see what others are doing and, and and I feel that we're this sort of um this army going forward um cheering as we go and, and I think it's it's a wonderful thing so it's uh, full of hope yeah you are very full of hope very positive and 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 you know you talk at the end of the book about your daughter going on one of the Friday strikes for the future um you know and and, and supporting and persuading your persuading your mother to go as well so soon after losing your dad that was such an incredibly touching moment of the book but I think this you know I sometimes get a bit down um, and a bit kind of anxious because I feel that we're losing our we're losing our um, ability to protest. We're losing our, if you like, our energy around protest uh, because they're because it's being made so difficult um, and we're so much under threat from you know changing legislation and you know the likelihood that we could be arrested in the street just for you know carrying a padlock and so those things. But so so I'm really inspired that you still feel hopeful about this. Yeah, it's um, it's not easy, and I, and I do get I do get very down about it. Um, but I think if if I let it too much, then it it would absolutely destroy me. I think um, I think having children helps. I think I've I've got the absolute privilege of working in um in a secondary school as a school librarian, and um, you know I I feel for the for the students there, the children there, and I think so. You have to be positive. Um, so I think outwardly. I'm a proper Pollyanna most of the time, <laughs> but inwardly it's, <laughs> it is hard to bear. And I, and I think these, the new laws to restrict protest are shocking. I, I just, I, I really worry. And I, and I, I think it, it makes us, um, 
it makes what look what is actually a very natural thing to do to stand up for what you believe in um become a radical act and 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 that's not you know often that's not that's not what it is it's about love and humanity and and wanting to live wanting a planet to live on um yeah I, it, it, it's it's a very difficult one how much does writing help you because obviously writing you've been writing about nature and you've been you know sending out a a, a call for us all to you know act on the decline of nature and the loss of nature for year for years now for many years now before the book i mean you you, you were writing a regular column weren't you and pieces is writing a way of helping you work this out for yourself yes it really really is um I I don't feel I'm the most eloquent person when I'm talking. I I know I remember a key point on the bypass when um I was due to I was lining up queuing up to speak to Radio Four presenter, and when the microphone got to me, I completely dried up. It was awful, and I went home and <laughs> and I cried, and uh, I picked up my pen and I've not stopped since. And I I think for <laughs> but for me writing is it's a it is a radical act it's an act of resistance and love and joy um and I want it to move people so that they are galvanized to act um it's it's a kind of therapy I suppose if I get all my rage out on the page and all the solutions and 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 think about it it really does help um but also I think using that to bring other people with me is is a is a powerful thing and it and it's it is that bearing witness as well I, I mean I've been writing oh gosh published writing I think now for nearly 20 years and my local newspaper column uh, I've been doing that for all that time was, was a weekly column for a long time and now it's fortnightly and I look back over those columns and I see that the bird I see the birds with lots that have gone extinct locally I also mm. see more positive things ones that have come you know come along um and the things that we've done for nature that have been positive. But it's a record, you know, and, and I think that's that's really, really important in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. Writing is incredibly radical. And, uh, you know, you make reference in the book to to years of protest, not just in your direct community or local community, but across, you know, across the country. And people have been protesting and, and writing in a radical way and calling for, for, for people to join them, you know, whether it was a, you know, Early, 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 you know, tracks and newspapers and and you know bills of, of that you would be hand out in the street or get read in public. But you know, it is a really rad, essentially a very radical act to write, um, but also to write in such a you know in your book, I think in such a, a not vulnerable but slightly vulnerable way. I mean, you put so much of yourself out there. Um, it's an incredibly brave thing to do as well. I mean, and and I have to say, as I said, you know, it resonated with me enormously. You know, I went to Greenham, you know, to the protest for a bit. And, you know, I haven't done as many exciting things as you do, have done in the protest front. But and, and it really, you know, have you felt that the reaction to your book has been different from women or men and women of a certain age, women who, you know, perhaps of a similar sort of generation to you? Or is it has it been a just to kind of everyone said, yes, this is brilliant. And I, I love when you write about, you know, skylocks and nightingales and owls. And <laughs> I, th- I think it's been, um, thank you. <laughs> but I, th- I think it's been um, across the board, actually. I, I've, I've been amazed how, I, I remember when, it, when I, it first went out to publishers and a few of them said, 
Well, you know, nobody remembers the Newbury Bypass environmental protests. I mean, this was just before um, um, Extinction Rebellion kicked off. Uh, so that, that was an interesting conversation. <laughs> but, but it was, yeah, I, I think that there have been, um, I've had young people read it, older people read it, men and women. Um, and I've had some, some really lovely comments. But I think, I think it's that, that vulnerability you, you talked about. And I think to a certain extent, it's all I've got. It's, you know, it's me. This is all I've got. Um, and I do make myself really vulnerable because the I, I do a lot of very local protesting, sort of looking after my, my local wildlife, because that's where it begins. That's where it starts. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm writing about the estate that I live on in our in our tenanted house. And I'm quite outspoken about the landowners. So so I have really put my yes, I did wonder about that. I did wonder about that. I wondered <laughs> if they fixed your shower yet, because I mean, you're quite... <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, but you do, and how? What's the reaction been like from your your really local community, from your neighbours and 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 your landlords and things? I mean, have you had? I hope you've had positive reactions. I have mostly had positive reactions. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the toughest talk I did was at the um, at the village hall, and. Um, I had sort of uh, well, mum who now lives in the village. Some of her friends, but they they've been here forever, you, you know, for generations. They all sat in in cross crossed arms, looking very fierce in the front row. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, rolled their eyes when I started talking about the greening women, and they rolled their eyes about when I started talking about the bypass. So I just talked about birds. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough crowd, the village hall. It's it is a, a tough. It is a tough gig. <laughs> yeah, that and the WI. It's a tough crowd. Oh so, my gosh! Um, yeah. Yeah. So. So what is the most, I mean, it's probably, a, this is a rather cheeky question, but what's the most extraordinary thing that's happened to you as a result of your having published on Gallows Down? What's the thing that you think, goodness me, I wasn't expecting that, or gosh, that's wonderful. Or may might not have been one, it may have been lots, but. <laughs> I think um, partly it's where the book's taken me. That's been amazing for somebody that really, you know, I, my life is travelling in little five-mile circles in my battered old car, really. I don't get out much. <laughs> And it's taken me to talks all over the country, which has been incredible. Um, and the support for that and, and for standing up for birds and well, not just birds, but standing up for um, wildlife has, has been astonishing. That's been amazing. But there was an incident last year when um, I, I mean, it didn't end well, but the <laughs> but, but my, my the estate manager came to me and said, look, we've got we're going to be cutting some of the trees down on the estate. I mean, that was a yeah. Yeah. An understatement um but he was so worried about the support I would get that he came to me um you know literally knocked on the door and said um, we're going to be doing this um we'd really like you on side and I thought you know what yeah I've made a difference here somebody's <laughs> listening <laughs> good did you chain yourself to the tree or did you just let him go with it <laughs> I didn't but I did um <laughs> I did have to wave down a tractor the other day for for a similar <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit sort of Jenny Agatha in the railway children. <laughs> yeah, remember it well. So, so are you you said you said you're quite hopeful. Are you hopeful for the protesters of of, of today and tomorrow? And and what advice would you give them? Because we need protests now more than any, ever, don't we? And we do, you know, we need the XRs, but we also need the you know the barristers writing letters. I mean, we do need those protesters. But what? But but are you hopeful for them? And and what would you say to them? I think I've got very mixed feelings. I'm very very worried about them all um because of the new laws because there's the there's this sort of silencing this this sort of um 
painting them as as as, as monsters, um, inconveniencing everybody's lives when actually the biggest thing is 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 what's coming, the ecological and the climate crisis, which is here already. It's not coming; it's here. Mm. That's going to be the huge, the biggest impact on all of us. So I'm worried about them, yes. Um, but also, I'm. I think there are so many of us now, um, and more will join us when they see these injustices. More will join us. But I think my advice really um, is: you have to look after yourselves, your your mental mm. health, because this is tough, and it's only going to mm. get tougher. Mm. Um, and I think there is fun and there is joy in protesting as well. Um, and I think it's it's worth, you know, I, I learned that from the Peace Women early on. And, and I think it's that togetherness and mm. the humour um, that, that is really, really important. And I, I know that sounds <laughs> counter to, to, to what these protests are about and the reasons and fierceness of them. But, but that, you know, the fierceness of passion. But I think it's very important to remember that. Mm. Oh, no, you're right. Hugely, hugely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I remember talking to a, a very young climate activist up in Glasgow, actually, on uh, during COP, who, who was part of the big, you know, young people's demonstration that they, they had. And, and she said, you know, I had to take a year out because this was damaging my mental health so much. It was so I felt so burdened by it. Um, you know, and it's really important that that they that we look after our well-being and that they look after their well-being, the people who put themselves on the front line. But you're right, it can be very joyful and very noisy. There's nothing like a really joyful, noisy protest, especially if you've got drums, I think it always helps. <laughs> yes. But yeah, that's right. So I, I won't be forgiven by my producer if I don't ask you, are you writing another book? Is there another one on um, the stocks? There is, there is. Um, oh, early exciting. stages at the moment. <laughs> It's all it's all written in my head. It's all yeah. up there. It's done. Yeah, yeah. just getting <laughs> but, it down. Um, yeah, I've got to get it down. Yes, but it will be quite locally set again. But um, but have those bigger, um, bigger messages. Yeah, that's probably all I'll say on that at the moment. Oh, we'll we'll, we'll await <laughs> it with bated breath and um, with. with with great expectation and pleasure. Thank you so much, Nicola. It's been an absolute delight to talk to you and um, we're really grateful to you for, for sparing the time and also for, for writing and giving us this beautiful book. Um, and it's out now in paperback. So I would say to all Planet Pod listeners, please go out and buy On Gallows Down because it's a wonderful read. Um, please buy it from your local bookshop. And if you can't buy it from your bookshop, buy it from The Hive rather than from another well-known online retailer. Huge thank you to you for being with us, Nicola. It's been absolutely delightful um, seeing you in your little writing hut, which doesn't look so little. It looks extremely cosy, if I might add. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you so much, Amanda. It's been, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. If you've been inspired by Nicola's story and you're engaged in any local protests or even national protests, um, do please let us know on social media, you know, the usual channels, Twitter and Instagram, um, or you can email the podcast direct. We'd love to hear your stories and find out what you're up to. Uh, my thanks, as always, to my producer, Beth, and my executive producer, Jim. And thank you, too, for listening. And goodbye. You've been listening to Planet Pod. We'd love to hear from you. So please do get in touch and don't forget to follow us on social media.